This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Morning, Professor Ward Scott here, hunkered down really in the Warhol Man Cave today, the command center inside the Mellon Law Studio. Um, Mellon Law, as you know, 50 years of experience, full legal firms, only law firm partner of the University of Florida and protected by our friends at Crime Prevention. So mugshots always available for you to take a look at and all our sponsors on the spot. Take your cleaning needs to on the spot cleaners. R&R Construction, great friends, great supporters. Um, well, we are just waiting to see. We're, I'm going to give you a little bit of the show, understandably, for those of you who are out in the world that's not being affected by the storm, all of the state of Florida, of course, as you may know. I'm going to assume you know something, but not everything, um, that we uh, have uh, iffy situations all across the state. Everybody, it seems, when I'm getting the reports, and I'm trying to get them as updated as I can get with a couple of computers running here, the um, everybody's going to get a rain event and some form of pretty significant wind event. Now, the thing about the storm, as you may have heard, is we are now Category 5 hurricane. Uh, that Category 5 hurricane is 157 miles per hour. I believe the one, I think it was Andrew, I'm not sure, I can't remember, lost, slept since then, um, hit Miami, had 190 mile an hour wind. And it was a, it would, could take the skin off of horses that couldn't be uh, somehow sheltered from the wind. That's how bad it was. I heard stories like that. And we're not too far below that with this one at 157 coming in probably at Fort Myers and going across Orlando and then out to the other side and up the coast hitting St. Augustine and all the like. So where we are, we're on the western side, if that's the true route, uh, the less dangerous side. And uh, we will not be getting the whipping action of the northeast side where the tail whips around. Now, also, there are tornadoes chasing or the storm or associated with the storm or embedded in the storm, however you want to talk about it. And uh, they're, they're, they're in many ways more frightening than the actual hurricane. The hurricane is a steady blow and you can kind of prepare for it, but tornadoes, tornadoes are a whole nother story. So we are just at the beginning of it here in the piney woods of North central Florida. Um, we're not, I'm telling you, able to absorb the water that appears to be coming. Uh, perhaps, you know, not the foot or more in South Florida, but right towards it. And our rivers obviously are going to rise and we're going to have a lot of flood issues. And the land is basically saturated already. So um, we had a lot of rain come down 
in uh, uh, September, right towards the end there. So um, the beginning, I mean, the beginning of September, a little bit around Labor Day on, we had some rain start to come in. So it is 70 degrees right now, and it um, it's cool. I mean, it's dramatically cooler, and we've got an indication here where we are. The rain will be starting here in about 15 minutes. Uh, let me see what else I can get for you here. I'll go into this. Uh, right now, we've just got maximum gusts of about 15 miles an hour, but that's going to be picking up considerably here in a minute. So the way it's affected our community right now, probably the most profound way uh, economically is that the Gator game has been moved to Sunday at noon. Now, that causes all sorts of economic problems. Hotel uh, reservations, cancellations, re-reservations, and it's also probably complicated by the fact that we're playing a team that is not important. Of course, every game I know is important to these people, but this is not an SEC game. It's not a school that anybody recognizes. And it's coming out of um, uh, here to probably to make money. And um, as they do to get on the Gator schedule, it's a way they put some money in their coffers for their athletic programs. So that is also going to change the dynamics of the community because we're not going to have the the roaring crowds on the typical uh, Saturday afternoon game time. And it's going to, of course, conflict with the NFL games. And and people just uh, um, simply have adjusted their lives. Uh, One little detail, not little, really, if you depend on them, a lot of people – I'll ride the bus provided by regional transit system here for $10. An individual can park at the mall and ride the bus and deposit it right behind the stadium. And then at the end of the game, ride back to the mall for $10 round trip. And I've ridden those buses a couple of times. And my golly, they're a whole, you know, 10, 12, 15. I'm a lot of buses. I mean, a lot of buses. But the bus drivers now have to change their lives to uh, Sunday. And an interesting note that was provided to me was that a lot of the bus drivers are black and a lot of them go to church. And that's one of the great things, by the way, about the black community still. And so what are they going to do? They got to rearrange that. So we don't know how this is all going to work out with the game. I suspect that the attendance will be, will be way down and the obligatory game will be relatively meaningless, uh, except that it provides uh, uh, an opportunity for the team to, some people call it even a scrimmage. So that's one way in which the, the community has been affected. It's pretty significant. Um, the schools here, as I uh, uh, just studied this, have uh, all around us been closed from today uh, until Monday. Uh, that's the community colleges, the universities, um, um, the K through 12. So everybody is buttoning the hatches down and um, everything is coming to uh, a kind of a lull here as we wait and see what happens. Because even though there's now a pretty uh, convincing location for the storm to enter right around Fort Myers, 
um, at a at a, at a category five, 157 miles an hour. Um, once it crosses the state, well, we have to figure out what goes on then. And it is going to be a rain event. In fact, the clouds outside um, the Manly Command Center here <coughs> are uh, <coughs> darkening and the wind is picking up. So <coughs> the cancellation or the re or, or redating of the Gator game, the cancellations of the schools, uh, and the courthouse today closes at noon. Now, that has a kind of an interesting ripple to it because in uh, a, a, a situation we've been covering, uh, the Drotos Riles versus Bossart, uh, there was some adultimatums. Uh, Thou shalt deliver to us by this date certain, and this date certain now can be affected by the cancellation or closing of the courthouse. And, you know, the liars don't ever miss an opportunity if they're trying to defend someone uh, to kick a can down the road yet one more time. So we don't know how this is going to work out uh, in terms of the date moving around for work to be delivered at the court is ordered, be delivered by time certain. And I'm just focusing on the Drotos Riles case, uh, which is uh, moving along at a snail's pace uh, deliberately by the defense, which is, of course, depending upon how you look at it, it's um, boss art is actually um, in cahoots with the state attorney. So therefore, Grotos and Riles are the defense. But really, if you look at the way that the worm turns here, it is more now uh, boss art on defense because uh, when you learn everything that we know, you're going to be um, fully, fully apprised of what is uh, really getting ready to happen. So can't talk about that much. won't talk about it much except to say that the tactic that has been used is to draw this out and draw it out and draw it out. And, of course, it has a, that interesting wrinkle to it. It has the SWAT team involved in uh, zip-tying innocent people. Uh, that shoe is going to drop, of course, pretty heavily. It calls to mind the SWAT team heavily stopping and arresting or detaining uh, the, the Catholic fellow who is um, fighting with the abortionists and guns pointed at his kids and all this stuff. Um, you know, you can't, you can't not compare that to the Drotos Riles situation at the Collier's International Business Office. So um, there's a lot going on here in this community that uh, the community has been rightfully so very interested in. The, uh, <clears throat> let me check the weather here just real quickly for you. <clears throat> um, okay, we got, uh, still got predicted landfall at such a time as we just predicted. Um, so we got a tremendous coastal flooding, of course, uh, going to spread well into the state. The um, um, okay, yeah, basically the same. Getting ready to hammer, and of course it will come. It'll come around. Will run up the east coast and really give them a shellacking. It's probably going to go right over St. Augustine. Um, so 
maybe we're going to, or we are here in our bunker, escape some of the heavy-duty storm. The, um, the other thing that I want to I'll bring you up to date on is, of course, uh, um, something we discussed yesterday with, uh, with um, Phil Kirpin, and that was the student loan um, buy-off, payoff, I call it, by Biden. And today in the journal, the, there is a publication of a lawsuit that Phil and I talked about yesterday. How could we stop this imperial command by Biden, whose circuit, he went around Congress, he um, asked nobody, he just decreed it. And um, how could we stop it? And now I want to bring you up to date on that conversation. The um, Biden, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal analysis, took a calculated risk when he forgave this half a trillion dollar student debt. He calculated, just as Phil and I were speculating yesterday, that no one would be able to demonstrate an injury, which would therefore give that person standing in order to bring a legal challenge. And if you were listening yesterday, that was one of the issues that Phil and I closed in on, which I brought up incidentally, and Phil said, yes, that's the crux. Um, The challenge depends upon one demonstrating one has legal challenge, uh, legal standing. Now, how come is it that an individual taxpayer, we covered this yesterday, can't have legal standing? Um, it's because they aren't directly harmed by the write-off, except they will bear the ultimate cost, but they're not harmed. It's just one more unfair, heavy-handed, Move by the government. It's unfair to Americans who repaid their loans or unfair to Americans who didn't go to college. But in the view of the liars, the legal eagles um, and the courts, that isn't enough to convince the courts that you've suffered, quote unquote, a concrete injury. Okay, a concrete injury, a specific injury. Along comes a guy from Indiana who filed a federal lawsuit. Um, he's from his name is Frank Garrison, and he is arguing that he will be harmed owing to a quirk in something called the Federal Loan Repayment Plan and the Indiana tax law. Now we'll see if this holds up because if it does, it's going to really uh, throw. Uh, a roadblock up here for this imperial command uh, by Biden, who bet that, oh, well, people can't do anything about this. Uh, this guy Garrison is enrolled in a federal public service loan forgiveness program. Now, if you're like I am, you've never heard of this. You didn't have any reason to be enrolled in something called a public service loan forgiveness program. But what this program did or does for Mr. Garrison, uh, this fellow named Frank Garrison, is it by uh, participating in it, his monthly payments are limited to a particular share of his income. And after 10 years, uh, the remaining debt, which hasn't been covered by his payments, 
is forgiven. But along comes uh, the imperial president, Joe Biden's loan forgiveness behavior, and it immediately has canceled uh, Mr. Garrison's public service loan forgiveness um, um, operation. Furthermore, it's going to require uh, him to pay more than $1,000 in state tax on the canceled debt. So Indiana, if you're Indiana, you don't pay tax on the public service loan forgiveness. So Mr. Garrison would not have faced a state tax liability several years from now. So he would have received, and this is the kicker, and I see I got one of my buddies watching, I think, who is an accountant, uh, Mr. Jody Davis, who is uh, as as good at numbers as you'll find. Uh, I'm listening to, uh, sort of speaking to you, Jody, here. Um, Mr. Garrison uh, would, would, uh, would not receive an additional benefit from the cancellation. In fact, what he would get is an additional penalty. So uh, Garrison's injury is imminent because the department says it plans, the education department says it plans to cancel, uh, begin canceling debt for borrowers by early October. So this is going to be perhaps what Phil and I were talking about trying to find yesterday was somebody withstanding whom the courts could say was specifically injured by uh, Imperial Joe Biden's action. So if this holds up, and just as an amateur here, I'm not, I'm not a, a, an official liar, lawyer, you know my joke about that, is um, that it looks as if it's going to get the attention of a, uh, a, a, of a significant um, uh, audience here and perhaps put the brakes on this deal. So um, how did Biden come to justify? Now, this has been used as cover. And I used to say to myself uh, for a long time there, I thought I would never talk about COVID again. And for a long time there, I had on the agenda each day on my uh, a little agenda here that I follow as I speak to you all is um, I would have a COVID update. And finally, I thought maybe I'd come to the place where we didn't have to have any more COVID updates. But today on the agenda, later in a minute, there's going to be more COVID updates because Biden has used COVID as an excuse for a national emergency. And his reasoning is that the, uh, the students cannot now repay their loans because of COVID. And Uncle Joe, the imperial president, is reasoning that he in in national emergencies is not limited. There's no limiting principle to his executive power. So he can pretty much use COVID if this holds up uh, to declare practically anything that he wants to a national emergency. For example, in this analysis by the journal, Biden could declare climate change a national emergency and start writing off any debt associated with that. So uh, the pandemic emergency is being used 
Good morning, Tim. Pandemic emergency, quote unquote, is being used as cover for Biden to uh, do all these in runs around Congress. And he's using a quote unquote national emergencies to reason that, well, COVID prevented this payoff of this debt. Therefore, I'm going to cancel the debt. And of course, what doesn't get canceled is that the taxpayer gets stuck with paying for it. I think it was $4,000 a person, according to Phil Kirpin's calculations yesterday from American Commitment. Now, who brought this lawsuit is worth noting because these people are in a libertarian organization. They are great at safeguarding individuals, people, groups against federal government, government, if you will, overreach, and its specific legal foundation. The specific, specific legal foundation is representing uh, Mr. Garrison and all the rest of us in this lawsuit against the imperial Uncle Joe Biden and his cohorts for having uh, abused a, a program that was already in existence. Um, and it was um, working quite nicely, but Uncle Joe's Imperial Command uh, cancels the program that Mr. Garrison was already in and therefore ends up costing him money and, and anybody else who is in that program. So uh, yes, this is a libertarian organization Pacific Legal Foundation. I've known about them for quite a while. I've actually met some of their lawyers and I've talked with them in the past about taking up certain causes. They've been very receptive, very helpful. And um, um, they're, 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 thank goodness for organizations like that. So this is a follow-up really to what I talked about with Phil Kirpin yesterday, uh, the $400 billion write-off um, or more, really, Phil said for it's all over to be a trillion of this imperial decree by Joe Biden using COVID as a cover, claiming that now this COVID as a cover has pretty much stuck a fork in the work ethic of this country. Um, people now are making more money for not working, uh, for getting these checks. And by the time you add up all the government checks, you know, food stamps and the children, I don't know, support and COVID, you know, it pays not to work. And we've got an issue with that. And in fact, it's so quirky that people like uh, Kamala uh, is saying that, well, since we don't have any Americans working, we really need to let the borders be absolutely open. And anybody who wants to pour across them, uh, we need them because they'll work, whereas our people won't work, you know, it is really, I don't know if you've ever been to card games where people dealt off the bottom of the deck or, you know, this is the type of government we're working with. They, they deliberately print money to stop the work ethic, cover is pandemic and COVID, then they let the poorest unexamined uh, undisciplined entry into the country. They don't really know what they're getting. Uh, and the excuse they give is, well, they gotta, we got to fill the void left by our people not working. It, it is, uh, it, I don't, you know, I used to read these works years ago and wonder, no, it's just satire. 
you know, Catch-22, Dr. Strangelove, Clockwork Orange. Um, No, these things are not, um, uh, you know, not, they're not jokes. I mean, they're, they really are a way of making sense of the uh, uh, nonsensical. Um, So remember that we'll keep an eye on it for you. The federal public service loan forgiveness program is canceled by the imperial president and therefore has harmed uh, a Mr. Frank Garrison because his program was working quite nicely for him. And he was, you know, I've always told people, I said this the other day, um, when you're in business or you're a citizen, really it's, it's everywhere. You always have a partner. It's the government. And the government never puts anything up. You put your own money up. You take your own risk. But the government doesn't put any money up. If it does, it's your money again. So this applies locally in zoning and uh, local taxes, property taxes. Uh, you know, a good example is, is the landlord permitting deal that's going on now. It's just another government grab for money. You get nothing in return for it, except more regulations, which are going to cost you money. So um, it is, uh, it is, you know, kind of a a, a, a a strange situation. But these people, uh, like George Orwell and and uh, uh, people who realize that this kind of presenta- presentation uh, made sense, have written these classic illustrations of where we are when we get involved with the government and the government gets to be imperial the way it is now with Biden and the perfect cover being used in this point here is the pandemic or COVID. So um, that's the story on student loans. I hope that this gets traction. I know that the Pacific legal foundation is not going to get nervous and uh, uh, and back off of this jet uh, of this attempt to uh, hold the Imperial Uncle Joe's bureaucracy feet to the fire, and in so doing, maybe blow up the whole forgiveness plan. It's um, ill-conceived. It's politically distorted, and uh, it is a hoax perpetrated on the taxpayer. So. Um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I'm glad, by golly, we've got somebody who is willing to come forward and be the guy who advances this uh, uh, this issue to the to the courts. And now it remains to be seen if the courts recognize this guy as having standing. And uh, and I, I don't see just off the top of my amateur liar head how they would have legitimate grounds. I'm saying legitimate because we know the courts are also politicized. We really don't have any institutions that aren't politicized. And it's unfortunate. It um, Look at the local GPD thing. Um, it has been heavily politicized. We talked about the sensitivity school that you have to go through for uh, being insensitive at the crime scenes. And... Um, you know, I, 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 Lord knows what the curriculum is, but I'm sure it's heavily, heavily loaded with uh, the critical race theory and all that business. Um, and what else is there you could be insensitive to? 
and LGBTQ and, you know, and what else could you be insensitive to? It's not going to have anything there about whether or not you tied your dog to a leash in the rain. That's not going to qualify. Although Ranger did have to go to dog sensitivity school and uh, be taught to be a little more careful about what he bit. I'm serious. I mean, I think the dog was pulled off and attempt was made to retain, retrain the dog from being a dog. Um, Golly, Moses, you tell me, I don't understand at all. But we're coming up on the bottom of the hour break. I do want to give you an asteroid update before we go on the break. By golly, the dart worked. Um, The sensitivity training didn't work on plantation. Mark, boy, that's a mouthful, buddy. Uh, (laughs) And uh, the dart worked. If you remember, we were going to fire uh, a a bullet, if you will, at an asteroid. And I'll be darned if it didn't hit the asteroid. And everybody in the scientific world there is jumping with, uh, you know, with glee and should be. What what an amazing uh, calculation. But at the bottom of all this, is the hope that we won't become the dinosaurs. You know, all this climate change hocus pocus, when you look at the big extinctions, has nothing to do with climate change that any species brought on. It has to do with collisions (laughs) with uh, rocks out of the space and uh, things like that. Um, I am convinced that in 1947, uh, a UFO did arrive and land by the Lake of the Stupids, just outside of what is now Gainesville, and dump out the genetic material uh, from what rock out there we don't know uh, that became uh, the uh, ultimately the city commissioners of the town. Um, they came from that uh, disposal of material by the Lake of the Stupids around 1947 by the UFO. Now, I, I, I guess somebody will take me seriously and consider the show to be another version of War of the Worlds, but I'm joking, but I'm not joking. There's something odd about the Gainesville City Commissioners. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie 
at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right. Welcome back to the Ward Scott Files. Thank you, Lewis Oil, for providing us uh, with an opportunity to bring you the weather. I am now looking at the radar, and buddy, it is an amazing, amazing view. Uh, I'm using AccuWeather service here. The eye, as I'm looking at it, is about what's well, much bigger. Uh, my golly, it looks as if you know, it's, it, it goes all the way. Um, Pretty significant area, probably. If you were, if you're, if the eye were over the southern tip of Florida, which it's not, it's off the coast of Fort Myers, right now bumping up against it. Uh, the eye would cover the entire tip of Florida. That's how big the eye is. So there's going to be this false security that comes along, and this is right up to date right now at uh, 9:30 Eastern Daylight Time. The tail now is hitting Sarasota, uh, Bradenton, St. Petersburg, and moving right rapidly toward Tampa. It looks as if the course it's got, and by the way, let's see where we are up here with our tail. Uh, St. Augustine is getting rain right now. And just in a few, few minutes, my friends, we're going to be getting rain here in our area. There's a band of heavy rain. It's a, it's a, it's a northernmost band of the storm is going to hit us, well, I would say within an hour at the most, maybe even less. And the heavy stuff is going to come behind it in the counterclockwise. So where we are, we're getting ready to experience what uh, the wind and rain event. Now, the really heavy-duty red right now is over Palm Bay and Satellite Beach and Titusville. Uh, and uh, it's coming up oddly off the coast of West Palm Beach, really, and that will be whipping around and heading up to St. Augustine. So the uh, it looks as if the trajectory is going to be uh, and let's see if I can fast forward. Um, I don't think I can. Let me see. Yeah, I can. Uh, it will be northwest, northeast across the state. 
And we will get very soon a continuous supply, if you will, of rain and wind. Um, that I would predict will be here before noon. So uh, it looks as if the planning by the government agencies is about right, shutting everything down uh, today uh, from Wednesday till Monday. It should be cleared out of here. But uh, we've got a Category 5, and uh, that, of course, will be much less once it hits the uh, state and starts to move across. But it's going to really pound um, this area here uh, from Fort Myers, Sarasota, Bradenton, St. Petersburg, Tampa. Uh, maybe Spring Hill will miss it, but it looks as if Orlando, the Kissimmee area, is going to catch it. Already Daytona Beach is getting quite a bit of significant rain. Uh, got red cells there. And that is going to be coming around in this tail and coming our way. So I'm looking at the radar as it is uh, being picked up by our uh, current AccuView um, service. Let me see if there's anything else. So we're running about 70 degrees. Um, we are... I apologize for not speaking. I have dead air here. Uh, Jody, don't laugh at me. I have dead air. Um, the flooding, rainfall, coastal inundation is also going to spread north well beyond Florida. I was talking with Plantation Mark yesterday. Mark, get ready. You are going to get, sir, some of this hurricane coming your way, as is Georgia. And we'll see where it goes. If it comes there through your territory in Virginia and Georgia, South Carolina, and goes off the coast and then up the coast, that will be a double clobber, will it not? Because it just occurred that these areas were hit pretty strongly by our friend that went through and ended up in Nova Scotia. So I'll try to keep this radar going as we are talking. Um, and let you, uh, uh, let's see, it's got 155 mile an hour sustained winds. It is, um, let's see, uh, it's going to have, it's going to have a, a very high impact where it's hitting. It's one of the strongest hurricanes to on record for the southwestern part of the state and the central part of the state. Um, All it takes is 157 miles an hour for it to be Category 5, which some calculations have it at. It's currently, according to what I'm getting, is up 9 a.m. at 155 miles an hour. So if you want to split hairs, it's moving north, northeastward at 10 miles an hour. It's about 60 miles southwest of Minnesota Key, Florida, with the hurricane force winds extending outward 40 miles Tropical storm winds 175 miles from the center. Uh, what else we got here? It's rated a Category 5. 
and it is due to have a magnitude of damage that is really, really significant. Um, once it gets into land and turns northeast and runs along the west central coast of Florida and in, in over on to the to the, the eastern side of the state, it's going to be uh, for a long way across the state, a full force major hurricane. Since the winds have so much buildup, it's uh, got a it's got got a quite a way to lose power and still be a major force hurricane. Expected water levels to rise ten to fifteen feet. That's pretty significant. That storm surge will lead to significant coastal and inland flooding, particularly in the Tampa Bay area. They expect the water level in Tampa Bay to raise possibly six feet. And there's concerns for areas in Jacksonville uh, because of the counterclockwise wind and the combination of it moving that way. St. John's River is going to have significant flooding in the Jacksonville area. The water level of the St. John's River is expected to rise three to six feet along the lower portion of the St. John's River with a storm surge of one to three feet along much of Florida's east coast. Power outages could be long lasting. The wind gusts, which will be 100 to 140 miles an hour will be widespread. Um, there are wind gusts possible. Hold on to your hat on this one. There are wind gusts possible of 165 miles an hour. Powerful gusts of 74 or greater will be felt over even the Florida Peninsula, all, all over the Florida Peninsula. We're expecting possibly 8 to 16 inches of rain. And the sandy soil and porous uh, rain of this magnitude will, of course, lead to widespread flooding in central and northern Florida. Major urban flooding, Tampa, Orlando, and Ocala and the villages. Um, there is also flooding expected in Melbourne. Uh, as it comes across that way. Factor in also uh, possibility of tornadoes and water spouts, and uh, you will have um, a possible uh, complication from that. The slow forward motion of the storm will have serious consequences for Georgia, the Carolinas, Virginia, West Virginia, and the eastern parts of Tennessee and Kentucky. There you are, my friends. That's the latest I can give you on the weather report. Thank you, uh, Lewis Oil, for sponsoring that. And uh, that is um, um, one of the um, more somber weather reports I've given. And govern yourself, as they say in the courtroom world, accordingly. Um, so the St. John's River flooding will be something to contend with as Tim Martin's pointing out, from downtown Palatka all the way 
up to Jacksonville since we have a river there that flows north and dumps into the Atlantic. Well, well, well. There we we are, huh? So I've given you uh, an asteroid update, and uh, I've given you a a view of, um, of what we've got going on in the, in the in the atmosphere, if you will. There are some things that, of course, are going on all the time in our culture um, that uh, we just talked about with you, and that is this. Uh, um, abuse of power by the imperial um, um, government we have, if you will. You know, it's, it's always been thought that, well, there's been a lot of concern about the fact that you call yourself a democracy, but you're, you're really operated as if you were a kingdom. And that's what we're looking at. It really kind of started, did it not, with Obama? when he said he was going to uh, change uh, America, that it was fundamentally uh, eat up with uh, systemic racism. And now it's filtered itself all the way through to the college boards. You know, I was in education as a profession for over 40 years. And college boards, when I was getting into college, they were important things. I mean, we wanted to know how we did on the college boards because they were used to accept or reject and, and, you know, we wanted to do well. So um, the um, pandemic once, once again has been used to make an excuse for um, a system um, that as a result of racial pandering is what Jason Riley calls it. We now have, students more poorly prepared in basics than ever before. Now, he's a black thinker, writer, first rate, really can, uh, you know, race is not interesting to him, except that it's been used to corrupt so many things. And he's pointed out that a majority of fourth and eighth graders since the pandemic are unable to read or do math at grade level and the outcomes are even worse for minority students. In New York City, last year, 65% of black and Hispanic students could never reach proficiency on standardized tests. So Democrats from the imperial president Biden on down have advocated for universal pre-K programs, but the studies have shown that they have no evidence that they've improved test scores because, and this is the kicker, these pre-kindergarten programs have been corrupted and now we have explicit sex education in the earlier grades, uh, mostly introduced through, Jason Riley says, the racial propaganda of New York Times Magazine 1619 Project. And that has been substituted for instruction in reading and writing. And I know some pre-K teachers who say that the real problem lies in that the government has supplanted the parents and kids are coming to school not knowing their last name, never having been read to, some things that are obviously fundamental duties of the parents, which there are none. 
Maybe there's a mother, but there's never a father, that sort of thing. Uh, so the college board has been looking at the reading and writing and arithmetic uh, secondary concerns. And um, um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not a pretty sight. And the way in which this got embedded into our curriculum is once again using COVID as a cover-up. Um, the college board, consequently, rather than confront this, according to Jason Riley, has knuckled under to it. And it's going to be offering a course on, on African-American studies. And it's going to uh, uh, take the place, if you will, of the gifted and talented programs and their subsequent exams, because these programs and exams have been attacked by the progressive political guys for the program's lack of, quote unquote, racial balance. So instead of helping the struggling kids, Riley has observed, it's decided, and this is the thing that I've been talking about forever, it's decided to lower its standards to pander to the black kids. That's number one, and Riley can write this, um, that can't be written as, you know, by a white guy, probably. Riley can write it because he is concerned about the black kids going through a rigorous uh, program of basic studies in skills that prepare you to compete. And to make it even more unbalanced, we've prejudiced against the Asians who do it quite well and dumbed down the exams. So the programs have lowered their standards to pander to the black kids. That is a Jason Wiley comment. So the college board has uh, uh, um, taken a look at this and explains that students are going to examine. Are you ready for this? And, you know, this, is, this has got to be in the sensitivity training of the GPD cops. Uh, the uh, college boards are going to take a look at uh, 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 courses that teach the history, the politics, the culture, and the economics of North American people of African descent. Furthermore, it dictates that these courses will explain that students will examine the hardships African Americans face during their history. You know, this is being looked at from the 20, 2022, okay? If you really want to look at it objectively, the conditions in Africa were rather severe. The individuals who became slaves were brought to the coast by other Africans who wanted to get rid of them. They were betrayed by their own people. Now, I, I'll bet you that will not be in the course. So this course, according to Riley, is only going to focus on America's treatment of blacks. Wouldn't it have been helpful to also include in the course fellow Africans' treatment of blacks? <clears throat> Wouldn't you think? 
So this ideology has now, according to Riley, corrupted all the pedagogy uh, of of academics all the way up to the college boards. So um, he calls this a move of pressure from liberal radicals. And um, um, it first appeared in the 60s, he said, in something called black studies programs. Um, You know, but he argues that um, if schools wanted a more diverse faculty and student body, um, why don't you incorporate blacks into the established academic disciplines rather than creating of these separate academic disciplines and asking everyone else to submit their intellectual training to them, why not have it the other way around because of what? Because of what? I, 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 I offer that for you to think about. So even the great black thinkers, um, who Jay Saunders Redding, his guy Jason Riley talks about here, he was the first black faculty member at, at an Ivy League school. He wrote in 1970, now get this, that the concept black studies was conceived in frustration and bitterness by an articulate and highly emotional minority. And it is a very questionable validity as a scholarly discipline. Now, this is Jay Saunders Redding, who is the first black member, faculty member at an Ivy League school in 1970. Um, Martin Luther King was highly critical of these programs and wanted to know, is black studies an education program or is it a form of ideological indoctrination? If you read Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham jail, you will read a letter written by one of the most intelligent, well-educated writers that you'll ever read. We use letter from Birmingham jail as an example of effective argumentation. It is a classic. It is, I don't think it can be written today by any of the so-called black leaders that I know. Jason Riley could probably do it, I'm sure. Thomas Sowell could do it. Uh, some of these great thinkers, but not the political leaders here. So the, the, the goal that Redding said should be, the, what, what should be going on in education is training qualified scholars, okay? Training qualified scholars. And what this really does, he says, when you take this approach, you create more separatism. You regress into racial separatism. I thought that was pretty interesting. That came out in the journal uh, today. That's out in today's journal. I try to keep you up to date on the latest thinking that's going on out there among people. Um, the COVID update is quite fascinating. I would have gotten into a little bit more of that, except we have a, a storm that we've been taking some time with. When I think I'll end up with a storm, I'll probably save a, a COVID update because it's um, quite interesting um, um, 
Now it seems that Fauci and these guys are quietly admitting that masks don't have much effect at all on uh, protecting you from um, COVID. And it's almost something that's been used as a litmus for whether you're liberal or conservative. And if you take a look at some of these people with masks, um, people assume right away, if you got a mask, you must be liberal because you're following the government's uh, decrees thoughtlessly. Um, so it's become a kind of a political instrument again to, to make judgments about people. Let's take a look at this hurricane, see where we are. Um, now Florida is braced, based for the worst. And um, um, we have got some... Um, yeah, we've got it right, right on the verge of the eye getting to Cape Coral. So that's where we are with that. I haven't looked outside the window here at the command center, but I'll do that in a minute. Uh, 9.56 a.m., I think that's probably enough for today. It's too late for me to start another story with you all. I'm just going to check my chats here, uh, see if there's anything I need to respond to. Okay, we're going to check tomorrow. We're going to be on a hour-by-hour hour kind of thing today. We'll see how we do today. I'm scheduled to talk in the morning with Kamek, um, and we'll see how the weather permits. Uh, we've got a backup generator here, but should we go down, of course, we have to reboot the Internet, so it could get problematic, but we'll uh, assume everything will be fine. And uh, we'll thank production for a smooth operation today, as always, and I uh, appreciate uh, you all tuning in today and we'll try to keep you um, hopefully we've kept you informed in, in a way that you uh, can prepare for whatever's coming. All right. Have a safe day. Warthog Command Center out.